take the Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. God has a word for us today. He had a word for the church at Corinth, but also a word for us today. It, it, it transitions through time. You can see this uh, scripture running. We referenced it this morning. And by the way, let me encourage you. It's 2024. Happy New Year. It's our first Sunday, so therefore, first Sunday of every month, uh, we put the Lord first, and we put him first every week, but we put the Lord's Supper first, that we want to say every first Sunday, we want to put Jesus number one, and that's when we have the Lord's Supper each first Sunday. So we'll be doing that as part of the service, not at the end. It's not just a tag on to the end of the service. This is the service. And as God would have it, today we landed on the scripture that deals with the Lord's Supper. We didn't plan it. We wish we could come out and say we were that smart. We were not that smart. We didn't calendar it like that. We just went through the book of 1 Corinthians. And today, on today's date, we landed on the Lord's Supper. That's today, first Sunday of each month. We decided years ago to do that. And we landed today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, second half of the chapter. So it wasn't planned. I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. Uh, but God has a plan. And you came today, and you might have questions. And, and I hope I answer some questions. But I want to encourage you, I hope you leave here with more questions today than you have answers. You say, why would I do that? Because this is not to feed you. I used to have a man who used to catch me every Sunday after church when I first got there. He goes, Pastor, I'm just not being fed at this church. I'm going to find me a new church. And I said, well, do whatever God leads you to do. Because he was a pain in the backside, if you know what I mean. And so I was hoping that he'd go find somewhere that fills him up every Sunday. Because I was tired of hearing from him. Let me encourage you, I'm not here, I'm the under-shepherd under the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the bread of life for a reason. We're going to talk about it today. He's called the bread of life. He will fill you up when you get into his dining room, amen? I'm not your dining room. I'm better, I'm just like a cafeteria guy. I'm, I'm here to give you some, here's a sandwich, here's some meat and bread. This is going to get you going, now go dig. And we encourage you, whenever we take a passage of Scripture, Go home and read before this and read after this because God wants to tell you something about your life. If you're depending on your pastor or me, as if you're a guest, to fill you up with everything you need to know spiritually, you're in bad shape, okay? I'm not much better than a bowl of Fruit Loops, and that won't last long, okay? Get home, get into the Word, and we do have Bible reading plans, and I didn't print those today, but I did put it online, so if you look and see, how many of you guys have actually planned to read through the Bible in 2024. You're trying to kind of, and you can, if you haven't thought about it, let me encourage you because you're going to grow in the Word of God. Now, when you get to the book of Leviticus, you're going to hit a snag. If you've ever read through Leviticus, you're going, ugh, ugh, right. Why would God say this? It's because people were thinking it or doing that, all right? So when you get there, Leviticus, especially in the teens, you're going to get into some rated PG 13 and rated R material, just for the record. So kids, don't go read Leviticus because you're going to find, uh, you're going to get an education, all right? It's gross. When I usually say that, kids devour the book of Leviticus. So, but God wants to teach you something, and I'm going to tell you, when you look through every chapter uh, of, of the Bible, as you go through, start looking for Jesus. Is Jesus in, in the book of Leviticus? The answer is 100% yes. He's not physically there, but listen, you'll see him there uh, when the Bible describes what it describes in every book of the Bible. You'll find Jesus in every book of the Bible. You won't find his name, the word J-E-S-U-S, but you'll find him there represented in every book. Okay, let's dive in. 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to pick up at verse 17. And there is even, and we're going to go all the way through the scriptures and read so that we know how to do things right. I likened it this morning to our catalyst. And by the way, we have a catalyst group. Joey is talking about leading a teaching. We have a catalyst group for every age group. And we have some that's no age groups whatsoever. You just go show up 
and you learn the Bible in a small group setting, you get to ask questions and push back a little bit and ask questions. It's from 9 to 945. It's just prior to the worship service. And then uh, there's a place for you to actually learn more and more about the Word of God. Also a place of fellowship. Fellowship is actually what God's given us as Christians to do. You get to talk about your problems. You get to talk about people. If you've got little babies, listen, my class is not your class. Don't come to my class if you've got little babies, okay? I teach college. They don't want to hear about staying up 3 o'clock in the morning with children. They, now, they'll stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning, but not with kids, right, unless they're babysitting. Uh, and don't go to a senior adult class for the most part if you've got little children. Now, you'll have some great-grandparents in that class, but you're going to hear about a lot of medical conditions, and you're like, ugh, that's all, they, all they want to talk about is what's wrong with them, all right? Uh, that's not bad, but I'm saying if you, can, if you can tolerate that, you'll have a whole bunch of grandmas and grandpas in that class that will love you dote on you, right, and, and love on your children. So, And then we're having coming up here shortly a multi-generational, and we'll have a church-wide study so that we do have senior adults in with sixth graders so that when, they come, when you pass a senior adult, many times a senior adult will do this to a sixth grade, and a sixth grader will be like, they don't know how, we don't know how to re- interact between each other because we always separate. And so at church here at Town Creek, especially in the New Year's, every time the New Year starts, we try to intermingle, if you will, uh, multi-generations and bring them together because that's one of our core values of the church. We value our multi-generational makeup. The youngest child in the church, we value them all the way through the most senior, senior adult in the church, we value them. So the multi-generational makeup, we'll put classes together. So w- one of the questions we've asked in the past, what is the best way to communicate with you uh, if we had to communicate with you? And sixth graders say Snapchat and senior adults say, what? <laughs> Send me a letter in the mail or call me call you. That's so old-fashioned. No one talks on the phone. Who communicates? It's social media, right? That's what young people think many times. So you'll find a lot of different those things. It's fun and it brings us together. So if you make sure you sign up for part of those. All right, let's get going. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, remember he's coming out of last week, head coverings in the unity of Christ, the order of church. Now he gave us the order in church last week and now he's going to show us some disorder now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, and if you if you're not have been with us, this is to the church of Corinth. So we're looking in their window sills and see what Paul says to them. I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for what? People were coming to church for the worse. You know those people? Look around, look around, everybody look around. That person could be sitting beside you. If they told you everything that's wrong with you or the church or or themselves when they first came in, guess what they did? They came in for the worse. They didn't come in to put Jesus number one. They didn't come in and say, I can't wait to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They came into this building to let you hear their gripes and their complaints because they sit on the throne of their life. They are so, and and speaking to some of you, you're so self-centered that you think the world revolves around you and you don't control orbit. Amen? Does that make you mad? I see some of you are like, who do you think he is? Pastor Clint Smith, Town Creek Baptist Church, right? On behalf of God, Jesus is trying to tell you and me this morning, this whole series is called what? Look at the front of your bulletin. Grow up. It's time for young people to grow up and quit making excuses. It's time for middle-aged people to grow up and quit saying I'm so busy. It's time for senior adults to grow up and quit saying, well, I would, but I couldn't, right? Stop it. Grow up. And when you grow up, Senior adults are supposed to teach the younger adults. Amen? Is that what Titus says? Yes or no? Older men teach younger men. Yes or no? Older women teach younger women. Yes or no? There should be classes for women on how to do everything in life for the younger mothers. 
or even the young singles right now, how do you grow up to be a godly young lady? How do you grow up to be a godly grandmother? How many of you had a godly grandmother? Anybody have a godly grandmother? Isn't it wonderful? Now, I want to ask you how many of you had a mean grandmother who was a, a nail biter. Don't, I, I don't want to know. But isn't it nice to have somebody in your life you can depend on? If, they need, if you need prayer, you can go to that person for prayer. If you need counsel, you can go to that person for counsel. This is what Paul's saying. Listen, when we come to church, God has set an order to his church. And by the way, it's his church. It doesn't matter what the sign says. It should say the church meeting at 250 Town Creek Road, right? Because there's a church meeting in every location where the Spirit of God is and the people of God are there. That's where God is. That's the church, the ecclesia. Those who are called out of the world, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, called to be unified together. Now, we're different. We, differ. we look different. Our hair is different. Our skin color is different. Our backgrounds are different. Our cultures are different. Some even like Cinco de Mayo. And all the stuff, the peripheral stuff, we're different. But in Christ, we're one. We're united. So Paul's ordering the church at Corinth. Remember, there's Romans here. There's Jewish people. There's people wearing togas. Uh, there's people coming to church in a toga. Can you imagine? We only do that for, like, high school dress-up or college dress-up. But there's people showing up in church in togas. There's people in robes. There's people with all kinds of different dress showing up to church. The cultures in Corinth were multiples. They were just Mediterranean culture coming in this one church. And Paul says, listen, some of you come to church for the better. Some of you come to church for the worse. For first of all, number one, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. We asked this morning Catalyst, and we ask again, how many of you have ever been in a church where there's division? Raise your hand. The church of God. Have you, how many have ever been into God's holy church and seen division? Raise your hand. God's holy church? Why? You know why? Because you showed up. And you're a sinful person with your sinful desires, wanting it your sinful way, and so am I. I want it a certain way, and I think this is the way we should do it, and I think we should do it this way. And instead of saying, Lord, give us wisdom in our leaders, wisdom to do it the way you want us to do it, what does your word say? We do it our way. We, we do all these divisions, and it happened in the church at Corinth. One of the first churches here, this church is about five years old. This is a church plant there in Corinth. Now he's going to tell some things. Verse 19, for there also, there must, for, verse 19, excuse me, for there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. I mean, the divisions. There's people doing it right, and there's people doing it wrong. And if you look at it, you can tell the difference, can you not? If I had a glass of muddy water and a glass of clear water, which one would you choose to drink if you had any sense? The clear water, right? Some people say, I'll drink the muddy water. So be it. You're one of the dividers. All right. Verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You're not coming for the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one of, takes his own supper ahead of the others, and one is hungry and another one's drunk. And that means drunk, right? You're drinking wine and partying at church. Paul says this, look at this emphasis. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? That's the poor. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. He says it again the second time. Now, transition verse 23. Instead of scolding anymore, Paul just stops, and then Paul gives instructions, and he's going to give instructions to the church, and here it is. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. Do this because I'm doing this for you. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Why do we drink the cup? To remember Jesus. Number one, why do we take the bread? To remember Jesus. Number one, why do we come to worship? To worship King Jesus. Number one, why do we sing songs of praise? To praise Jesus. Number one, he's got to be number one in our lives, okay? Let's continue. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, there was actually a meal meal. There was actually a food that was set down for dinner that they had before this. So what we do is not really the Lord's Supper. This is the add-on. This is basically the addition at the end that the Lord said, okay, we've already eaten together the Passover meal. And by the way, we have handouts. And if you're curious, and I would encourage you to be very curious, if you came to Catalyst, you should have gotten one. But I have handouts back there in the back before you leave that talks about the Exodus, the Passover Seder. So you can actually see how the Jewish people celebrate the Passover coming out of the, uh, uh, Egypt, coming out of slavery into uh, celebrating freedom. And we'll see that we as Christians were once, we were held in bondage, the Bible says, by sin. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have now been saved and been redeemed and set free. And we have freedom in Christ through his blood if we receive that free gift of salvation that he offers to everybody who will believe. Well, let's continue. Verse 27, now he's going to tell us something. He's going to go back to, put his judge robe on. He's going to robe up. He's going to say this. Now, to us, verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, as if you're nailing him to the cross, right? In a spiritual way, listen, but you're as, as bad as that person. Here's the order of self. But let a man examine himself. This is woman, women as well. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats the drink and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks the judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Listen, this is pretty heavy stuff. And we like, ah, oh, is this really true? It's really true. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep there is euphemism for death. People get sick from this Lord's Supper that we're about to take. People have gotten sick and people have died because they take it, not because of this, right? We always buy stuff that's in date. We don't serve stale crackers and bootleg juice because it's cheaper to serve the old stuff. It's not because of that that's what he's saying. He's saying this is because you have not self-examined yourself. You haven't looked in yourself. You haven't judged. Because 31 tells you, here's the opt-out. Watch this. Pull the plug. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Let's pray. Father God, would you bless your word as we've read it that we might have understanding. We know that you offer it, but Lord, sometimes we don't receive it. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who, who's done everything for us. We call it a religion, our relationship with you. And, Lord, we're the only one in the world where our true God has done all the work for us. All we have to do is receive that free gift and walk in it. Lord, every other religion is do this, do that. And, Lord, today we have the privilege of serving you. Now, we do good works because you empower us to do them and show us what to do. But today, Lord, as we gather around this table, would you bless this table, bless your word, and Lord, bless us that we might receive this and understand fully that this is a mystery that only you fully understand. 
that you allow us to participate in. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. If you received a bulletin when you came in today, I want to give you some notes really quick. Every word that I want to emphasize starts with the letter D. I did that on purpose, so some of you try to guess. I've read my wife's Bible. Sometimes she leaves her Bible out, and I told her if I just could preach my sermon to her at home and then read her notes, her notes are better than my sermon. So uh, she's a better note taker and sermon writer than I am. But I notice sometimes she tries to jump ahead of me and guess what word I'm going to fill in the blank. Anybody, who else does that in church? You try to jump ahead of me and see if you know what word it is. Uh, and she scratches out and puts the right word in there. It's, it's a good game to play, right? But at the same token, all you have to do is follow Scripture, and you can almost discern what the word is because God's word is for all of us to understand. God has put it in our language that we have the ability to understand what he wants you and what he wants me to understand. Let's look at your notes. The church at Corinth was filled with disunity, dishonor, and disorder. A lot of disses, right? They were dissing the Lord, right? Disunity, dishonor, and disorder. Have you ever seen a church full of disunity? Yeah, I have as well. Uh, for the most part, Town Creek initially, when I got here, there was a lot of disunity, lots of pockets of disunity. Every Sunday after church, people would tell me, Pastor, you haven't fed me. Or, Pastor, you haven't, uh, Pastor, there's some people really upset with you. And I'd say, who are they? Well, I don't want to say. Then I said, if you don't want to say, then I don't really care. I don't deal with phantoms. Can you deal with a phantom? You can't help a phantom. You can't grow anything with a mystery of, oh, there's these people who don't like you. Well, there's a lot of people who don't like me, right? That's been happening since I've been a kid. I have a disposition that's unlikable sometimes unless you know me. Then you might like me, you might not. But the nature of Christ in me at least makes you love me, even if you might not like me sometimes, right? And as a leader, guess what a leader gets? Shot at all the time. Is that true? Right? So when you're up front, I understand that. God makes some of us with cowhide, right? He made us, he wound me tight out of my mother's womb and I came out screaming, right? Some of y'all have kids like that and like, oh my word, Lord, what are you going to do with this kid? He might make them missionaries or, or mission, uh, missionaries or preachers. Who knows? You might be having those in your pews and, and right where you are when you're like, God, what are you going to do? Don't stop praying for them, right? Pray that they might live because I made it through childhood and and uh, puberty and all those areas, didn't think I was going to make it through, but God sent uh, his son Jesus Christ to save them like he did me. Praise God and amen. Amen. I want you to see this also. Those within the Corinthian church who exercised their sinful behavior, they displeased God. You cannot think that you're good with God if you're living in sin. Let me say that again. You cannot even possibly think you're good with God if you're living in sin. And I mean sin is in secret sin, public sin, sin, period. If God says don't and you do, or God says do and you don't, to know to do the right thing and not do it is called what? Sin, according to the book of James. So if you're living in sin, whether covertly or overtly, you're still in sin with God, he sees that and he's very displeased with any amount of sin, the end. Would you agree with that, church? Even the world sin, God's displeased with it. He's so displeased that he sent his only begotten son to the earth that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life because he put the judgment of God the Father, he put all of his holy judgment on his son, Jesus Christ, that anyone that would confess him and believe upon him would be saved and say, okay, I don't want to pay for that. You ever broken something? You ever had those moments when you were teenagers, you wrecked the car, you did something really wrong, you go, my dad is going to kill me. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, my life's literally over at 12 o'clock tonight. It's over. My mom's going to kill me. Grandma's going to kill me, right? We use that vernacular, those words. But we understand we've done something wrong. Here's the word in the Lord. Jesus has made that wrong right if you would simply trust him. 
But there are people that say, listen, I will not bow a knee to Jesus Christ. I will not concede to any of this. I'll take it on my own, and we'll see how it works out. Hell awaits you forever death. Living in hell is going to await you. Do you understand that this morning? Based on the word of God. Either this is true or it's not. And I trust that God's word is true. I want you to see this. The Corinthians had so distorted worship, Paul told them that they were not even celebrating the Lord's Supper when they came together. Look what he says. He says that very clearly to them in verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You're not coming for the Lord's Supper. You guys are coming in. This is dysfunction 101. This is disunity 101. You guys, instead of worshiping God, you're dishonoring the God who saved you. You're saying one thing and doing another. And he even tells them what they were doing. Obviously, you've read the scripture with me there. The divisions within the church were obvious. Some within the church were grossly self-centered in worship, and some did not did attempt to make worship God-centered. Some were getting drunk at church. Could you imagine that? Coming getting drunk at church? The poor were left with no food to eat. There was all kind of crazy things happening in this church of Corinth. We already read, if you go back and read the beginning, they were arguing over who was the better preacher. They had a couple preachers that came through. I like Paul. I like Apollos. I like Peter. And they would all just argue. No, we're just the Jesus people. There's always those people in the church, right? We're so holy. We're sanctimonious. We're just Jesus people. And there were people that were doing it right saying, hey, guys, stop, stop. Chloe's house even wrote to Paul, hey, Paul, it's, it's blowing up over here. You need to get back over here. And this is why the letter's here. The people also wrote in chapter 7 of, verse, of Corinthians, they basically said, hey, what about, and they asked all these questions. So Paul is responding to their questions because, hey, is it wrong to do this? And let's answer the question today. We get to look in their window. Of course, we can point the finger at them and go, aha, those people are so messed up over there in church of Corinth, right? But really, we need to look at the windows of our hearts. Paul gives us as an example, for, and God gives it to us as an example to look at ourselves today. Are we messed up sometimes because we want it a certain way? Yes or no? How many denominations do we have in America today? How many denominations of Baptists do we have? And then Pentecostals and then Methodists and Presbyterians. And, and how about the crazy Pope just coming out and telling the, uh, 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 all these archbishops that they can actually bless same-sex marriage? He can't be the man of God. And I don't believe he ever was even before then, but to speak and say what God says, thou shalt not, right? A man is a man, a woman is a woman, the end. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that, do you believe that? Did he create the birds of the air, the fish of the sea? On day six, he says that he created man from the dust of the ground in his own image, and he called him, what was his name? Adam, right? Adam. He was called Adam. And then the Bible says there was no helpmate. There was no, if you will, Adam was the buck and there was no doe. He was the bull. There was no cow. Everybody had a partner except for Adam. There was none like him. God calls him to uh, deep sleep, and therefore he took a rib out of his side and formed woman. And she was called his helpmeet or his helpmate. And, and, of course, listen, the two, Adam's not in charge of woman in that sense, but he is the head of woman. The Bible says, if you go back and read the beginning of this, this is all messed up in America today. Christ is the head of man. We'd say, amen. And then it says, man is the head of woman. We go, whoa, man, right? Right? Wait a minute. What century are you living in? Is God's order still God's order, yes or no? Whether you like it or not, that's God's order. And it says, even says that God the Father is the head of Jesus Christ. Is that still the order? When we speak about the Godhead, do we say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Yes, we do, because God 
has a plan, God has a purpose, and God has an order. And we've gotten so far away from the order of the word of God that we go, wait a minute, this is the 21st century. This is 2024, and you're still reading that archaic stuff? Yeah, unfortunately, I guess I am. This book's old, right? Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, rose again, and he's still alive. Listen, we still read the same passages at Christmas, at Easter, Lord's Supper. We're still doing it the same old way because the same old way is God's old way. And his old way is just as fresh today as it was when the day that he actually exercised it and made it happen. This was a plan that God had long before creation. And our minds say, well, I can't even fathom that, neither can I. To be honest, as a pastor this morning, I don't fully understand God. Is that a confession that you would make? Now, I know things about God. I know his character. God is love. God is light. God is just. God is faithful. I know all the characters of God that I can read from the Scripture. But truly, if I had to say, listen, what is God fully like? I don't 100% know. I'm learning as I go. And I hope that you continue to learn as you grow older that one day we step from this property here and we die and step into glory. It's like, oh, it's even greater than I could ever imagine being in the presence of holy God. And I hope you have that wonder like a child sometimes about what God's like. Let's go quickly here in your notes. Peter, uh, excuse me, Paul delivered the instructions how to observe the Lord's Supper to the church at Corinth in the same order as God revealed it to him. Look what he says. For I received this, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. All Paul is, I shouldn't say this, but it was, it was funny to me when I read that. And I find comedy in the Bible, I don't know if you do. Paul is nothing more than an Uber driver right here, right? God told me how to take the food and he told me how to deliver it, right? Isn't that Uber today? He's, he's Express Eats here. He's Uber Eats right here. Taking what God said, delivering it to you, the church, right? And we get it today, some 2,000 years later. For which I received from the Lord that I also delivered to you to the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed. And then he goes right into the order of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Angel was sharing with me with the churches. That, that, why do churches have the Lord's Supper? Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it multiple times a week. Some churches do it only on the first Sunday like we do. We put it as the priority, as the first thing we do on the first month. And this is the first month of the first year, first week. So we put it on as a priority, as number one, because we want Jesus to be number one. The Bible didn't say how often to do it. It says when you come together for this purpose, do it. And we do it in order, not just an order we make up, but an order that God has put in order, right? Why do we pray over the cup? Why do we give thanks? You know why we give thanks? Because Jesus gave thanks. You know why we break the bread or have the bread? Because Jesus held up the bread and said, this is the bread of life. That he is the bread of life. Just funny thing, where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem, the city of bread. Isn't it amazing? The bread of life was born in the city of bread. You think God had a plan? When we take that cup, it's not just a juice cup. Don't let your kids take it and play with it. It's not something, the cup's not special. It's a plastic cup with grape juice in it. But if your kids have never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, please listen to what the notes say. And if you are living in sin or you have a sinful issue in your life, whether, again, quiet or, or open, get it right because God's going to hold you accountable based on what his word says. Paul taught that the Lord's Supper was ordained by God as an ordinance and our command to remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, he's going to go further, but that's what he says initially. During the night, Mark uh, Mike read Mark, right? It talked about Jesus actually what he did after the supper. He broke the bread. 
The Bible's clear. During the night, just, as, uh, just prior to his betrayal, Jesus took a piece of bread. He gave thanks and said, this is, or it represents my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. Love me so much that you would do this. Because listen, when we take the Lord's Supper, does it make sense really and truly? Let's be honest. To take a cracker and some grape juice, does that make any sense? <laughs> that reminds us of God. If you're just thinking of it as the world, do you remember what it's like to be lost? Why are the people eating crackers and juice? And then they try to pray. You ever seen uh, music ministers of my favorite musicians? They take it and then they want to sing on. Just, and they try to go through. That's when we do it before, uh, right after the invitation. It's hard to preach or speak or pray. It doesn't make sense. Same thing about baptism. It looks absolutely ridiculous, does it not? Grown people, children, why do you have to get wet in front of everybody? You know why we do it? Because Jesus said so. That's exactly right. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always until when? The end of the age. That's why we have a baptism service. If, and by the way, we don't wait. If you want to be baptized, we do it right away. As soon as we can fill it up. We'll baptize you in the pond if you want to do it today. It's pretty yucky, but we'll still do it. Right? It's a picture of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's why we have Catalyst class. That's why we have devotions. That's why we have senior adult Bible studies on Thursdays. That's why we're trying as much as we can to teach the word of God. Why? Because Jesus said so. Why don't we take the Lord's Supper this morning? Why do we do it? We don't, know, we don't have matzah from Israel. We don't have like a special flown-in matzah and a special wine for the, for the meal today. We have crackers and juice, welches and whatever, saltines. Well, Pastor, it can be leaven in that. We're not so legalistic. We say we can't use it. I told the Catholics this morning the most meaningful Lord's Supper I ever had was a young pastor, church planner, knucklehead. I'm like, what is he doing? And he was, yeah, man, I just want to love Jesus. And I was in a training class with him, and I'm like, oh, where's this going? And he breaks out. He goes, I didn't have any money, but I had some stuff they let me have from the snack cart downstairs when we were meeting. He had Krispy Kreme donuts and Coke for the Lord's Supper. And my old legalistic self back in the day was like, oh, sacrilege, right? And I'm telling you, it was the most powerful Lord's Supper I've ever been a part of. We prayed. We joined our hearts together. We asked for forgiveness of that knucklehead sin. And we shared in the Lord's Supper. It was one of the most powerful Lord's Suppers I've ever been a part of. It's not about the bread. It's not about the juice. It's about the heart. The bread represents Jesus Christ's body broken for you. If you would only ask for forgiveness and receive him as your Lord and Savior, as you receive that bread in your mouth, the same way if you would receive Jesus Christ in your heart and soul. Jesus said, you must be born again. And that cup, his body, his blood's poured out the same as if he was, you're taking the blood physically in, but you're not. It is representative of that. When I pray for this, it's not going to turn into his literal skin. It's not going to turn into his literal blood. It's a representation of that. But it is so mysterious that we talked about this morning. Julie brought up, we don't even fully understand that. Is God here in the presence of the Lord's Supper? Yes. We sang this morning. Whether you sing or not, the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. Is the Holy Spirit here? Do we have to invite him here? No, because if I walked in as a Christian, I brought him with me. Amen? And you brought him with you. But at the same token, he was already here before I got here because he's everywhere all the time. We don't have to invite him here. We don't have to whip him up. We don't have to run Satan out. The Bible says resist the devil, right? Draw near to God, resist the devil. He's got to flee. So we worship and pray and preach and teach the word of God. Satan's got nowhere to go but 
out. He'll come back another day. But today, listen, this is the Lord's time, all right? So in the same way after supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time Christians eat the bread and drink the cup, we are proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes. Did Jesus really die? Did he really rise again the third day according to the scriptures? Yes, it is what the Bible says. We proclaim that when we take the Lord's Supper. Paul warned the church. Here's the bad news of the whole thing of, of saying they were out of order. Paul warned the church, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's what he said. You're taking this in vain. And finally, the last note there, a person must prayerfully examine himself or herself and his relationship to Christ. And only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ eats and drinks, what church? Judgment on himself if he does not recognize the body of Christ. So let me encourage you. We're about to enter the time. I'm going to ask the deacons if they would come and they can prepare the supper while we're having the time of invitation. And here's our invitation. Let me go ahead and give it to you as they walk this way. And I'm going to ask Mike to come and Adrian to come. We're going to receive you. The ministers will be here to receive you and pray with you. But let me encourage you of this. I'm going to encourage you. We're going to have a time of prayer before we take the Lord's Supper and say the questions are this. Lord, am I right with you? Holy Spirit, make my sin known. And if you make sin known to you, listen, respond to what he says. If he says, ask me for forgiveness, ask him. If he says, make it right with the person in the room, make it right with the person in the room. If he says, and I've shared this with the church, I've had to get up and go make a phone call before. If he says, get up and go make a phone call, make it right uh, before you take the Lord's Supper, or you have to drive somewhere and do it this afternoon, don't take the Lord's Supper. And for God's sake this morning, don't take it and then put it in the pew behind you and leave it set. Don't try to fake out your neighbor that I'm good with God. Because listen, who sees everything all the time? God does. And he's looking on your heart today as we take the Lord's Supper. So we are going to sing. As the deacons are still preparing, don't bother with what they're doing. Uh, they're not here to interrupt your service. But if you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, let me encourage you today. Just come and say, listen, I want to give my life to Christ. A preacher showed me how to do it when I was a young man in the military. He showed me how to give my life to Christ, and I've never been the same since. God changed me, and he made me a believer. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. But today, let me give you that invitation as well. As the ministers are here, and if we get busy, listen, the deacons are here. Deacons can, I don't know if you know this or not, our deacons can lead you to Christ as well. And you can pray right where you are. Lord, forgive me my sins. I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's that simple, but that profound and that hard because we're so prideful sometimes. Our sin holds us back. Can I encourage you today to release that sin and release yourself to the one who loves you, to the one this is about, to the one I'm preaching about, to the one that we serve, to the one that we're going to live with for eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing today. And let me encourage you, Chris, as we come, we're going to actually worship together. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head. We are going to sing, yeah. But let me do this. Bow your heads this morning. And if you would, just contemplate this morning. Where are you with God? Are you in right relationship with God? Right steps? Wrong steps. Who knows better than God? Who's the secondary person who knows 
you. Because the Bible says, who knows the spirit of man? And the answer is God does. So does that man. We're going to pray. Melody, I'm going to ask you if you would come. Father God, as we have our heads bowed this morning, Lord, we know clearly that you bring about conviction to our hearts. Lord, you, you show us ways that we don't even understand about ourselves. And Father, as we stand here as men and women and boys and girls before Christ, Lord, as we stand here and ask that you would actually do a work in our life, we have an invitation that we would come and respond prior to the supper. And then, Lord, we're going to celebrate, we're going to eat, pray, and we're going to go home. And, Lord, may we be witnesses for you. Lord, we need you, we love you, and we thank you today for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray for